You're listening to And welcome to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 49. My name is Marvin Yue, and joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American just you. Hey, She's on white girl sabbatical still, Marvin. How's it going? Not really, but <laughs> not good. Uh, I mean, <laughs> more violence. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but I'm getting therapy. I'm starting my therapy journey, which is very exciting. Um, I think... I do, I will say, finding, like, a right therapy match, therapist match, is kind of like dating. Um, But, like, the stakes seem much higher now. <laughs> because if I feel like if I don't find a cool therapist, I will just be sad forever. And versus if I, when I was dating, it was like, bad date. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> so what do you look for in a therapist? Uh, I'm hoping, I think it's just, it's really like dating. It's like vibes. Mm. It's like. Uh, I obviously mm-hmm. want someone who is both Asian and a woman. Um, I've met with some people. They're a little older. I feel like I want someone younger, like maybe around my age, who would really get that experience. So it's really just like vibes. And I was yeah. much less, my bar was much lower for the men I've dated in the past. Yeah. I mean, you have to feel safe. Yes. That's kind of like me and medical doctors. I would prefer someone Asian, but I don't want someone too old because I don't want them to be my uncle. Or auntie, you know? Yes. You want someone a few years out of med school who, like, knows their clinical practice shit, but who isn't too old that their knowledge is outdated because you just never know, right, if they've kept up with it. Some people are stubborn. So you want someone in their, like, late 30s, early 40s. Also, there's this thing with, like, just the older generation, like, our parents' generation of Asian person who, like, maybe it's not their intention, but it feels like they talk to you as if they know what's best for you oh yeah, oh, yeah. super condescending <laughs> yes uh my my landlord they definitely treat me like they're related to me and i don't like it <laughs> so <laughs> there, are, there are times when i'm just like uh no believe me when i say this thing needs to be fixed and don't tell me i'm imagining it <laughs> right don't um, gaslight me oh yeah. i had a i had a like one of the nurse practitioners at my like family doctor like way back when and I learned this is the reason why I stopped going with her. It's like I'm violating my own HIPAA. But basically, she like made a very judgy comment about like sexual activity, and I'm like, what? "Oh, you uh-uh. can't say that." <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm like, also number one, like I am like, have you seen me? I'm 18, and I exude like castrating energy. No one's touching me, but still, <laughs> you can't say that. Also, wow. there was the uh, gynecologist who was talking to me because she kind of wanted to set me up with her son oh that's the most <laughs> awkward thing i have ever heard i pretty on. much very quickly said that i do not go to church because that was one of her questions so i was like nope not religious very atheist you know? was she like wow that's just prime real estate down there i need to get some familial bloodline there i do There's have no to say way. yeah i have to say though i'm getting to of the age that i don't think any of these ladies are looking at me as a possible you know, yeah i feel like <laughs> to match me up yeah it's it's kind of concerning for me now that like people my age are now the experienced doctors no longer like the fresh out of med school doctors and it's like Oh, God. oh, yeah. Oh, it's like when I was, I also like in a recent health journey was trying to find like an orthodontist. And a lot of these like newer dentists who are taking patients around my age, right? They just graduated like dental school. They're starting to practice. And on one, I'm like a little horrified because 
I still remember how dumb some of these kids were <laughs> when I went to high school. It's like, you one of those dumb kids who's now a dentist and going to be using sharp tools in my mouth? And then on the other hand, I was like, wow, I wish I had known this when I was single, that you should look for an orthodontist. And like, that is some eligible matches <laughs> out there in the San Gabriel Valley. Yeah. So that's a pro tip. If you're single and, you know, you're looking, go on an orthodontist tour and say you're trying to get braces or something and, like, see where that goes. All those kids you went to high school with who went to med school are now coming back home to open up their private practices and they're they're out here. Yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh, today's, like, happy doctor's day, so whatever. Oh, happy doctor's <laughs> day, everyone. Also joining us, professional culture editor Han Win. Hey, Han. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I probably also need to find many doctors. Uh, yeah, I'll wait until I'm vaccinated for everything and things open up. So. Yeah, I feel like everyone I know has been using the pandemic as an excuse to not go to their regular checkups just yeah. because, you know, various reasons, mostly laziness related, but also, you know, doctors are busy right now treating people who are dying. So, Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, that that's a good excuse for me, too. But at the same time, I'm, I think there's a lot of it. It's like, I don't want to face what this year of uh, not at non-activity, <laughs> you know, <laughs> except oh, yeah. for <laughs> when you step on that scale and then or when you do your blood work and I'm, I'm in the Kaiser system. So a lot of things are automated. So if you automatically register like a certain like score on like your blood work like your triglycerides are too high they start like sending very condescending emails about mm. how like basically saying like hey fat ass start moving i mean I when like, even the vet shames my cat i mean <gasps> all of them how dare they no fat shaming the cat said she had a fat pad and i was like that's very she's very similar to me <laughs> I was like, wow rude <laughs> Anyway. Wait, a pads in, as in their paw pads? No, 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 no. Her belly. Oh, she he, he was he was like squeezing her belly. And he's like, so she has what we call a fat pad. And I was like, what? Don't don't do that to her. <laughs> I'm like that's that's boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> You're perfect the way you are, little sweetie. <laughs> well, we are now at the beginning of spring. Spring has it is now officially the spring season. Um, the Good Pop Culture Club has been active for officially for a year now we've done a year of podcasting congratulations to us wow big round of applause for our little podcast we are also barreling towards oscar season um the academy awards is coming up on april 25th and so for the next few weeks we're going to do a couple oscar catch-ups to take a look at the relevant i.e asian american related oscar movies that we haven't talked about yet um, last month, we talked about Minari. On this episode, we're talking about The Sound of Metal, starring Riz Ahmed, which is up for six Academy Awards. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through the week. Jess, what's popping? So I did not have any brain power to engage with anything sad or dramatic or nuanced this week. So my my extra extracurricular pop culture consumption has been solely Suez Boat Canal drama. <laughs> so for those of you who are not on the internet and have been buried in the sand, a very large shipping boat called the Ever Given got stuck sideways blocking the Suez Canal, which is the main waterway that connects the Mediterranean Sea and the Red Sea, aka the shortcut so you don't have to go around Africa when you ship things. And the memes <laughs> that have come out of it has been great. I think my favorite meme format thus far of 2021 
with like the little excavator trying to like dig out the big ass boat. And at the end, like the thing that, you know, the, unfortunately, fortunately, the boat got dislodged and on its way Monday morning because of the tides, like the full moon and the tides basically really helped it. And I was like, wow, that's also like very witchy, like all the good things. Nobody died. Nobody got hurt. Um, it was like the boat did not get milkshake ducked. <laughs> it was good. like a very pure experience. And I loved it. Remember when we were talking about this boat all the time and not about the horrible things that just happened these yeah, past few days? I would like to go back to this weekend where I was just sending like geographical <laughs> like maps to my friends. So I'm a big history geography nerd. My friends know this. So she was like, my one of my friends is like, where is the Suez Canal? And I'm like, it's oh like God. by Egypt. And then I was like, so why is it so bad stuck? I was like, basically, you have to go around Africa. And like, remember, maps are racist. And Africa is actually very, very big. So to go around is like, not the worst thing in the world. But it's like, you know, tens of thousands of more kilometers you're adding to the journey. Yeah, it makes everything more expensive. Like the gas we put in our cars, the clothes we wear. And I like how just similar to uh, what happened with the GameStop stonks, um, this past weekend, it seemed like everyone became an expert on international trade because people started realizing, oh, 90% of all shipping is still done through boats. The, my favorite meme actually was very obscure, deep cut, but there was like that meme where like Karl Marx didn't account for this, but somebody actually <laughs> found like a writing sample that Marx wrote where he was like, you know, for instance, if a boat gets stuck in the Suez Canal, and they're like, <laughs> oh, Karl Marx did account for this. So... Oh. Well, yes, it's great. The boat is free. The, the shipping lanes are free. clear. We are still trapped in our human bodies. Mm-hmm. Oh, the boat also was like a little bit like fuck you capitalism, yeah. which is always a nice touch. Corporations lost 20. a ton of money, which, you know, give or take. I mean, they're going to pass it on to the consumer because in the end, the pedants always lose in this no, no, in this world. No, no, no. But Good vibes only, Marvin. Good vibes <laughs> only. So thank you, Boat, for giving me that reprise over this weekend, for sparking that joy in me. May you go on in your Bodie McBoatface way. Who knew, man? Like, we had to find our... Yeah, we had to find our joys in 2021 from a fucking stuck boat. (laughs) Sure. I'll take it. I'll take it where I can. It's a metaphor. (laughs) I don't know what it's a metaphor for, but I know it's a metaphor. (laughs) Bahan, what is popping with you? All right. Uh, I had a couple, but I think I'm going to go with the second one I was thinking of, which is um, I'm reading the latest book in the Modern Love series from Alicia Rye. Um, I believe I've discussed this series before. The first two were um, The Right Swipe and Girl Gone Viral. And so this one is called First Comes Like. And uh, the two main people is Jia Ahmed is a, let me think if I could get this straight, Pakistani Muslim American. She is an, a beauty influencer. Uh, and she starts a an online sort of chat with Dev Dixit. He is an actor in a huge Bollywood family. And they just started DMing each other like about a year ago. And so it was no big deal until he actually came to America. And then she's like, oh, well, maybe we should actually meet. And when she meets him, he has no idea who she is. So basically, she was catfished. Um, 
But in real life, of course, you know, she's hot because she's a beauty influencer and he's hot because he's a Bollywood star. And so uh, he can't help being attracted to her and she's clearly attracted to him. Um, and she, they, you know, they kind of figure out what happened um, and how she got catfished. Um, but while discussing that, you know, they, their picture gets taken by paparazzi because he is known and she is known. Actually, she has her own sort of fame. And because of that photo, she kind of has to lie to her family that they're dating, which, of course, becomes a big thing. So we get uh, fake dating, you know, uh, the fake boyfriend, fake relationship trope and a bunch of others. Um, I'm only halfway through it, enjoying it so far. I do have to say I wonder where it's going because they are very aware of um, propriety and modesty and um, things like that. So I'm like, is this going to be a hot book or not? <laughs> yeah, I was about to, uh, you know, you know what question I was about to ask, yes. Han. I'm like, yes. how horny is it? Yeah. How many I chapters mean, to steamy? I mean, I, okay, since I'm only halfway through, I don't know how much I can say that, but I mean, she admires him a lot. So it's like, oh, he's wearing those jeans. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and that's like, damn, when he, you know, lifted this up, biceps and so but but at the same time it's not overtly physical sexual as far as i don't know so we'll see but i in some ways i do like that that sort of slow burn it's very romantic in that way they get to know each other so we'll, we'll see where it goes uh her previous books were very hot so <laughs> oh, i wonder okay. if this is okay. going to be a, a different or not um, but so far, it's it's very sweet, and I enjoy it. And I just like how you know they describe all of her beauty regimen, but also like here's the scarf I'm wearing today, and she matches it with this, and just how I don't know, just everything about their whole relationship and his family, her family feels very real to me in ways where it's like big family having to reach expectations, the the sort of you know pressure from other siblings, you know, perhaps meeting parent parental expectations better. Um, and there is, of course, you know, there are other things because of his family being Bollywood family um, and him not wanting to kind of go along with that. So there's just a whole bunch in there that I find uh, very interesting. So that is my read. Uh, what's popping with you, Marvin? So, as some listeners may know, I have another podcast um, that I host called Books and Boba, which is a book club podcast for books by Asian and Asian American authors. And through that podcast, I've been exposed to the wider world of Asian American um, literature. And so, um, I've been working through a book that's been on my radar for a while. It came out last month called A Fu Love Story by Lone Lei, which is a YA rom com. Which, um, yeah, I do read rom com sometimes. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I can't read dark shit all the time. Sometimes I just want a fluffy, you know, rom com to get me. You want to love, my love. <laughs> you're reading. You're reading this, and you're like, where do you get to the point where it turns out someone's, you know, like dead rival in the fuck? Like, where? Where's the drama? <laughs> where's <laughs> Where's the, the secret jade medallion that powers the future city dystopia? <laughs> None of that here. Um, this is a <laughs> um, fun story. <laughs> this is a story about Bao and Lin, who are um, scions of rival pho restaurants. And this is their story of how they meet and, I guess, fall in love. I'm halfway through. So right now, they're at the point where the two of them have mutual attraction, but they're not, like, official yet. So, you know, going through the motions, you know, they're eventually going to probably kiss, I guess. And then something will break them up. Probably the family drama. How much 
the description is in there? Like, do I need to eat uh, <laughs> while I'm listening to this or reading this? Oh, for sure. This book has all the greatest hits in contemporary YA Asian American fiction. It has definitely a lot of food descriptions of not just pho, but a lot of different Vietnamese dishes. <gasps> um, it definitely has its opinions on what makes a good pho broth um, and the smell that you get in pho mm. restaurants. It also has the storyline uh, where Lynn is a aspiring artist. She's very artistic, but her parents want her to be an engineer <laughs> and set her up on like info dates with other engineers <laughs> of their friends' children. Oh, God. So there real. is an overachieving older sibling and there is an auntie network. Yeah, and there's just something about, you know, it's not really doing anything new or novel in terms of like story beats. Um, you know, we've seen... We've seen this story before, um, but we've never seen it told like this. And the fact that it's infused with like this Asian American sensibilities, you know, um, full restaurants, boba places, refugee parents, um, auntie network. I've been really enjoying <laughs> experiencing this rom-com story that I can relate to. Um, you know, I'm not Vietnamese myself, but I did grow up with a lot of Vietnamese friends and actually have friends who come from full restaurant families. I'm excited to get it. Um, I've been waiting for a decent Vietnamese romantic comedy. And this is one maybe since it's YA, <laughs> I might actually buy the uh, hard, not hardback, you know, physical copy. So when I'm done with it, I can hand it to, uh, over to my mom because my mom doesn't like a lot of sex and things. And so sometimes <laughs> I need to like read things ahead of time just to be sure. But I know she can handle YA unless it's like clearly about like drugs and <laughs> you know it's not euphoria she can't do euphoria type. yeah i feel like uh, um i don't know we haven't gotten to any steamy bits but i imagine they're probably cut away no steamy bits except for the pho oh there's lots, there's lots of pho in, this, in this book and um so yeah it's um a full love story by lon lay um available now you can get it on you, know, you can get it for your kindle you can get it physically or you can get an audiobook um i'm actually listening to the audiobook right now and they have two narrators, one for each of the two main leads, and they're both voiced by Vietnamese Americans. So you get the authentic um, Vietnamese pronunciations as well. And yeah, um, it does have a lot of food scenes. So um, come hungry. I will order food accordingly or <laughs> yeah. try to make something or both. Get some pho while I read it. And then like <laughs> your pages will be splashed with pho, <laughs> pho soup juice. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like you can eat while you watch TV, but when you're reading, you have to kind of be strategic. So it's like maybe eat the pho first and like then have like other finger foods nearby. Or um, just let it let it splash and be like every time you revisit, it's like, ooh, scent memory. Like it's a scratch and sniff. I've tried like eating like soupy stuff while reading and yeah it doesn't work my kindle ends up getting i had to wipe it down afterwards let's just put it that way mm. um Good but yeah know. uh that's what's popping for this week when we come back we're talking about the sound of metal stick around hey professional asian american hi marvin have you heard of Irvin's Salted Egg Chips? Marvin, at my house, Irvin's is a form of cultural currency because I told my mom that I might get paid in Irvin's chips and she has never been more proud of me. <laughs> 
Yeah, Irvin's is a sponsor of this podcast, and they are Singapore's number one snack. And it's finally in the states. No more smuggling back from Asia. No more smuggling. You don't have to do anything illegal.、Uh, the chips are great. The cassava chips are great. The fish skins are excellent.、Uh, up and down the line, Irvin's is delicious. Yeah, Irvin's is the original salted egg chip. They use real salted duck egg that has been brined for thirty days and steam cooked and hand mixed into chips, into potato chips, fish skins, and cassava chips. Then they use real salted duck egg yolks, fresh curry leaves, and red peppers that are diced directly into the bag. Mmm, and you can taste it, Marvin. You can taste the straight from Asia flavor. Visit eatirvins.com to order your bag of Irvins chips today,、uh, and use promo code Good Pop Culture Club all caps for free shipping on any order. That's eatirvins.com with promo code Good Pop Culture Club. Make your Asian mom proud. We're still here, and we're going strong. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot. A play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. The Sound of Metal is a film about Ruben Stone, played by Riz Ahmed, a drummer in a heavy metal duo,、uh, along with his girlfriend, played by Olivia Cooke,、um, and depicts Ruben's struggles as he suddenly loses most of his hearing.、Uh, the film premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2019 and officially released theatrically in November 2020 by Amazon Studios.、Uh, the film recently picked up six Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay. Best Actor for Riz Ahmed, Best Supporting Actor、um, for Paul Racy,、um, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound. So, what did we think of The Sound of Metal? I actually enjoyed it. I so here's the thing: I usually don't like、um, rock and roll storylines because I'm just like、ah, I'm so over the whole like sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing. But it's only the entry point to the story, and、um, I, I I didn't. Real, I mean, I knew he loses his hearing at some point, but I didn't know how much the movie was about sort of trying, um, trying to reconcile himself with the deaf community and learning those skills and reconciling himself, you know, even with his own hearing loss. Um, so all of that actually, I found like pretty eye opening. Um, in in a way, like I had watched, not that I'm some expert, but I had watched Deaf U. And、um, which is a、uh, reality series on Netflix set in a Gallaudet University, which is a deaf university, and、um, and then I talked to the one of the producers on it, who also was the winner of America's Next Top Model、um, one year, <laughs> who is deaf, and so I was able to learn a lot more about that community. And、um, one of the things that's a takeaway, which very much you know. Is play plays out here is that、um, for many people the deaf community capital D deaf is、um, they they consider a culture not a disability 
Um, so it's not a setback. Um, and I think that's one of the things that um, Ruben here is kind of struggling with understanding how other people, you know, see it. But yeah, I found it interesting. It you know, it's kind of slow, but more of like slow in the discovery way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an indie film, which, you know, Jess has been on record saying she's not usually a fan <laughs> of. Um, what did you think of this one, Jess? I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm not the I wasn't the biggest fan of this movie. I think there was a very interesting and, and multiple layers to that. I did think the performances overall were very good. Um, you know, Riz Ahmed and it's really weird hearing him with like an American like both like, him and like, Olivia Cook um are Brits, right? Yeah, but I'm I mean I don't know her though. Familiar with Olivia yeah. Cook, but yeah, I mean Riz Ahmed, I think, you know, he's been on the awards circuit a lot and he's he's quite posh, right? He's quite, you yeah. know, he went to Oxford and in Rogue One, he's like, you know, which is my entryway into the Riz Ahmed universe. <laughs> He he's he's a you know he's a he's I think he's like a man of like status and stature and that's typically who he plays, in or the things I've watched him in. So to like see him in like to be kind of like this grungy like like really unpleasant person was like I recognize is good acting. <laughs> I don't think I think he you know I have no qualms about him being nominated for the acting. Unless we're going to take it to a macro level, then I have some notes. But, like, it was not the most enjoyable time to be spending with this man who was just so, like, going through it. And maybe that's it's, like, a product of being, like, where I am right now emotionally. And I'm like, you're so annoying. Like, you're such, you're such bad vibes. Like, I understand you're going through it. But, like, you're kind of a dick to your girlfriend. Like, you're not taking care of yourself. You're putting your own health at risk, touring life looks terrible. And I'm also very sensitive to sound, mm -hmm. which is, which it's ironic because I think that's one of the reasons why like, I think the sound design was actually phenomenal. And I mean, they have to win the Oscar for best sound design because this is probably the biggest time that sound plays into a storyline. Yeah, I mean, the sound design is really, because they make it, they simulate what it feels like to be deaf. And like, I don't know how it feels like to be deaf because I am not, but I am assuming this is like the closest thing to feeling that way. Like the absence of sound and like the muffledness of it. Yeah. And that was interesting. You know, they switched back from like, uh, you know, like full hearing to like, you know, Ruben's perspective of being hard, you know, losing his hearing. Um, but like, you know, there are definitely points they emphasize and, you know, that first scene where they're just like playing metal music and I'm just like, I don't like this. This is really <laughs> grating on my ears. I feel so old right now I because like I feel like part. an old woman going like, get off my, like, stop playing that racket, you know? I can appreciate so, some aggressive drumming. Like, I was, I was vibing with that part I, for sure. <laughs> but I think that's the difference between my taste in music and Jess's taste in music. I think this also would have played differently if you were in a theater. Um, I, I I don't know about you, but I've had that issue that a lot of people have been tweeting about that every single one of their streaming services has a different noise level. And if you don't have like the proper speakers and surround them, something that like you're constantly playing with the volume because uh, certain certain movie uh, streaming services are like have too much like ambient noise so like disney plus yeah. i can never hear like dialogue because then the music's really loud and so i'm i'm often like i put on subtitles for this um, oh yeah well i'm sure after, uh, yeah 
Yeah, I'm sure, like, you know, and I, I mean, I watched on my laptop, and I'm sure, I don't know, like, how, you know, how good the surround sound on my laptop is. But, um, right. Yeah, it was just a little, I mean, I, I don't, I don't even think it's necessarily like a poorly made movie. I just, like, did not enjoy watching it as much it, as I hoped I would. I think the other aspect, and I think this makes a lot of sense for all the things that you found really either annoying or just upsetting is like how you were saying, like, you know, he's going through it. It's, it. it's a pretty decent, like, approximation, I think, of addiction um, because, you know, that's why he's an asshole to her. And especially at first when he's, like, just trying to even figure out what he's, <laughs> you know, like when he tears into her about, like, oh, my God, she's making such a big fucking deal because I had a cigarette. And I was like, oh, wait, is he an addict? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a big deal. So, yeah, I, I, there's so much of it. I was like, how to go through this on your own, I mean, alone, being a musician, A, becoming deaf in your um, adulthood, and that, and, you know, and that's your, like, livelihood, but then also being an addict, and then also your main relationship with your girlfriend is tied to your livelihood like i would be so fucked up <laughs> yeah and, but it, it uh, almost seems yeah. a little like crap like it was it was to me it was a little blatant like oh like here is the drama like all those things you just said like oh he's an addict okay and he's getting you know it's he's he's becoming um disabled right and like okay i'm like that's something we've seen before it's like different different ways and they do have a, i do appreciate like the certain angle of like you know about being a part of the deaf community capital d and like that perspective of like it's not a you know they don't see that as a disability there's a specific culture and like world that is in and they're not looking to be cute quote unquote cured um but then i'm just like okay he's a music oh, i'm just like oh and he's an I mean, asshole. i I'm think just like, part oh, okay. of that is also like he like i think a lot about just artists right and how Art isn't valued in our society, like as like something that you can, you know, you can make a living off of. But what happens when you can't play anymore? Like your living goes out the door. And like here is this person who his entire livelihood depends on his hearing and he loses it. And watching him go through like that phase of denial and of like, you know, trying to hold on to his pride was hard to watch because he was kind of being really, really toxic, right? During that whole s section. So toxic. Um, <laughs> um, but at the same time, like I find myself also thinking, like, man, this is why artists should have like health insurance, right? Artists should oh, have benefits. Definitely, and, definitely. Like, you know, these are people that are already on the fringe, and when something like a shock happens, like, what can you do? And he spends a lot of the film trying to fix it, right? Like, I think that's what this film communicates is for the deaf community, um, capital D, like. They don't see it as a disability. It's not something that you can fix. But he's coming at it from a perspective of someone who had hearing and lost it. So he knows what he lost. And so he tries to, like, he spends the entire film trying to fix it. And then when he finally gets the solution that he wants, it's not what he expected. Yeah. And you know what's interesting, though, because they do mention this, is even if he had a health insurance, they don't pay for cochlear implants. Or at least this one didn't. <laughs> so um, because they discussed that or I, or at least. OK, let's see. I think I read another book where one of the characters um, had to prove that a, a regular hearing aid wasn't enough. 
Um, and so he had to like endure like a few months or something to, you know, show how it wasn't working or whatever. Um, and then he eventually got an implant. So I think there's like a lot of hoops you have to like jump through. So and even this was like a truncated version. But yeah, I think becoming deaf later in life is a is a much bigger deal. But I also I think if no one else in your family is, because I think that's the other thing about deaf community, um, when there's like generational um, deafness in a family that you are raised to be in this community and accept it. But if you have just, you know, like hearing parents and then a deaf child, it's so confusing. They don't know what to do. So it's kind of like sort of what he's going through. Like no one around him, his, his girlfriend doesn't know what to do and she shouldn't have to know what to do. But at the same time, it doesn't, you know, like it's a lot of like sort of flailing around. And then with his uh, with his addiction on top of it, that's why I think I, I guess it makes sense that they had to find a special place for him. Yeah, and I think you know this film's gotten a lot of praise for its depiction of the, a deaf community that isn't usually shown in movies about disabilities. Um, you know, he goes to a rehab home specifically for deaf people, and that middle part of the film was actually like you know after his whole like you know toxic meltdown in the beginning and before his like you know um, relapse at the end. I really enjoyed their exploration of the diversity in the deaf community and like for a good like hour you're in that world and it almost becomes more normalized right because you're watching people and i think they did hire a lot of people who were deaf to you know fill these roles right and watching them go through their everyday activities was it was interesting to see right but yeah <laughs> yes i Where's mean but? are we gonna talk about this now i mean riz ahmed not deaf uh, I know he learned American Sign Language to do this role, but like not deaf. And Darius Martyr, the writer director, not deaf. Yeah, uh, I I thought of that too, especially when it comes to the lead. Um, I know there are all those arguments then, as far as funding <laughs> goes. Uh, I do have to say, although he's not deaf, uh, the, the supporting Joe um, Paul Rossi, I guess. Rachi. Um he he is hearing. However, he had deaf parents and so that's why he knows how to sign. Um he also did go through Vietnam, which is kind of written in the plot of this is how he lost his hearing in the uh, as a character. I mean, I also want to say like it's it would be worse if he was to play someone who has been deaf his entire life, but I think the fact that he's playing someone who just lost his hearing after like decades yeah. of having hearing, I think I don't know if it gives us a pass, but I think, you know, he's able to, in terms of channeling that acting, like what it would feel like to lose your hearing all of a sudden. Like, I'm willing to see how that would work in this case. But I think it's a question about access, right? You can say that about Asian actors, right? There's nobody with that, you know, like, so for me, it's always like very hard to like use the same things that like white people have been telling us or our community or telling like, you know, men have been telling women and then like not you know, not go to bat when it's the other way around as much as I love Riz Ahmed. And I mean, by all means, he did a great job. But, you know, this is probably also someone, maybe this is a role that could have gone to a deaf person, especially if the writer creator himself is not deaf. And like, was this his story to tell? Right, absolutely. This is also why when it comes down to money and you know that they had to pick a name. So, um, or that's what they tell us. So, yes, I'm sure there are uh, deaf actors out there, actors who maybe were not born deaf, who also became deaf later in life, perhaps. Um, 
that could have performed this role. And so, yeah, it's always a choice. And we always know why they make a choice. Um, I, I have to say that that would have been a more interesting choice. And I would have been curious to see how the movie would have been like that. However, I did actually, you know, we got Riz Ahmed and he's great in it, I think. Um, so I don't want to detract for him um, for the choices that the movie made and the director and the you know producers made. Um, but I don't want to, well, ding him for it. I know we can always say that he could have turned down the role. So, uh, but I think he did a great job with what he had. And um, besides being very American, I think we've seen him. Well, I saw the night of, and he was Pakistani American. Um, uh, but he's here. He is definitely like super, super, like his accent. <laughs> was definitely like dudes i know so um and i know it's like accents are probably like the least thing that british actors are able to do now like they all can do american accents at this point but i'm still always surprised and like you know you know, I know and then like the blonde hair and like just kind of like the shittiness <laughs> yeah like, why are it, you doing this to his, me Riz? his his physical demeanor also when he was moving around and stuff like that and not even what even before he was signing like just gave me so much i felt um that i i really appreciated like i maybe this is why the movie like appealed to me more and was just like everything was about him and uh seen through his eyes i was just really taken with the his experience and i loved that his um his deaf name um was basically sort of like a sort of a half owl sign or something <laughs> um so I was just like, yeah, you know, big eyes, kind of like going through this like wide-eyed sort of situation. I was like, I, I, I feel you. I, I exactly what you're going through. I kind of get. Um, oh, the other scene that I really, really liked was one of the sort of, I guess, therapies that his mentor Joe gave him was because you know addicts they need to always channel their addiction through other things, and so they often have to be very busy doing other things, and so his um. His mentor was like, stop doing chores around the place. You need to learn how to sit with yourself. And one of the ways I'm going to you know, get you to do this is um, you wake up super early in the morning, go to this room, have coffee, and then just write. It doesn't matter what you write, but you have to write until you can sit. And um, until the first scene where he's just trying to write and then he's just getting up and walking around and cussing himself out. It's like, you're a fucking idiot. And I was like, oh, this is me when I write. Uh, yeah, I was like, that sounds like hell. I would not. Oh, like, the no, spare room. Yeah, I was just me. like, yeah. yeah, I feel you. This is like what a lot of writers go through, even though this is not like addiction when hopefully when I'm writing. But yeah, <laughs> it's hard to just sit with yourself, you know, um, and your thoughts. <laughs> no, my demon, stop chasing after me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I did enjoy that first scene right after the opening, you know, after he plays his concert where you, know, you see these like, in your mind, it's hard rocking heavy metal artists. And then they wake up in their RV and they're making smoothies and like he's cooking breakfast and he's doing push ups and, um, and just gets her, you know, topless Riz Ahmed. Yeah, but I mean, I was so per- this is this is how I know I'm really old. This is how I know I'm really, really getting old. Number one, like, again, I was just so like, still like very like, upset about this like having to listen to this like very loud rock concert <laughs> in the first scene and i don't like metal so i'm like i don't like this and then and then like i see this van life and i'm just like oh my god touring sounds terrible because i used to go to a lot of these like very small alt rock shows like playing in like these random clubs and it just seems like such a shitty hard life 
And I'm just like, this looks really sad. Like, I don't want to, like, I ho- I'm sure they're happy, but are they happy? Well, Turing is hard. Like, I, I, I know I'm definitely not built for that. I talked to one of my friends once about my insomnia, um, like years ago, and she used to go on a touring company, even with ballet, a ballet company. So it's not even like hard rock uh, concerts and things like that, where you're like staying up all hours and doing drugs and stuff. So she was just saying, even ballet community, she's like, never tour with anyone because your insomnia would never work. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I used to work for a theater company and we'd bring in artists, like even when you're just doing hotels and shit, it's still a pain in the ass. But then that's the thing with the artist life, right? Like, I think isn't touring like the way most artists, like live performances and merchandise sales, the way most artists make most of their money because they don't make much on like album sales online because, you know, Spotify doesn't pay much for like independent artists. And so they're forced to go on these like grueling tours to make a living. Yeah. I mean, that's why they're always trying to find innovative ways to make money. Now it's all about the NFTs. Um, so it's, Oh, not going to engage with that. I chose boat (laughs) stuff over NFTs. I had to get one of my writers to write an explainer. And now I think I understand it. But at the same time, I was just like, all this language, like literally her first paragraph, I'm like, you need to like dumb it down like I'm five. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I, I get that. And now everyone's in on the NFTs, but, um, I, no, I still think I would like the, um, and uh, the RV life, as long as I'm not touring, like on my schedule, sure. Um, I I thought it was interesting that he was working out because I was like, this is a lot of what we're doing, you know, in quarantine um, to maintain if we are doing anything at all. As we mentioned, you know, probably won't like we're not going to the doctors because we don't want to face the fact that we've been sedentary or more more sedentary than usual. But um, yeah, I I. I Maybe as someone who maybe identifies a bit more with his addictive personality, I understand that the less I have, the better it is for me. <laughs> I also have some hoarding tendencies um, from my mother and uh, getting free swag, let me just tell you, is not a good thing. Wow, wow, first world problem. But uh, yeah, so I do remember when I was a paid intern and I had to like scrape together my pennies to even go out to eat um and i had to like very much menu plan every single meal and snack and i was definitely happier i was more creative i filled my time better of course that was like pre streaming services and all that type of stuff (laughs) so yeah uh i think i could do it if i if i needed to i think i could do the rv life but i would have to be with someone else who wanted to drive Nah, man, I'm going on a road trip and I'm fucking glamping. Okay, <laughs> the place I'm staying at has a restroom in your tent and there's a restaurant on a campsite. I am fuck camping, fuck RV life. <laughs> Not about that. I'm too delicate. Glamping is good too. I think I would totally. I-, I just like that sort of like traveling lifestyle. I think. Yeah. Um. So I guess this film is up for best film. Do we think it's good pop? I I do. I, I can definitely see it doing well, like on the festival circuit. I don't know how big, like, would I have thought this was an Oscar film? I'm not sure. But yeah, I think it's still good pop. I liked it. It's, I, I will, I will concede that it is good, good film. I don't know <laughs> if it's good pop culture. Um, but, you know, if Riz Ahmed is the Trojan horse of people learning more about, like, the deaf community 
and how you know and that perspective of it's not a disability it's it's you know and the, and that i'm like that's great even though there are other shows that have done that switched at birth shout out um i wouldn't say it's a good time but i do respect <laughs> that it was a you know it is well made not my cup of tea and i can tell it's not my cup i should have known it was not my cup of tea because i think i got admitted to the criterion collection i'm like oh god yeah i'm not gonna like this i actually thought it wouldn't be so that's why i maybe my expectations were so low that maybe that's why i was like pleasantly surprised by it (laughs) yeah um i think it's good pop for me um i listen to rock music um, I've listened to metal music. So the underlying themes was already something I was vibing with. Um, Riz Ahmed does a good, he gives a really good performance and you can definitely see why he was nominated. Um, and I did enjoy how the film, even with all its faults, does give an honest and earnest you know, depiction of the deaf community and portrays it as not like a monolith, not as a community to be pitied, but a community with its own strengths and its own you know, culture. And I thought that was really cool to learn through through this film so so yeah it is distributed by amazon studios so you can stream it um not for free because you have to pay for amazon prime but you can stream it on amazon prime video now if you you know want to catch up on all the oscar movies before before the academy awards later this month but yeah that is our um not review that is our uh, discussion of (laughs) the sound of metal jess han thank you so much again for joining us for another episode of the good pop culture club um, if people want to find out more of your thoughts on the internet, where can they go? I'm on Twitter at JustJudeTweets. And I am at Hanonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yeah, You can find our show at Good Pop Club and check out our past episodes at GoodPop.club. Uh, Good Pop is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. You can check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time on Good Pop. Bye everyone. Bye. Hey Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 